Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome into episode three of The Walkthrough. I am your host, intern Joe Machika. South Carolina lost 24 to 14 to the Georgia Bulldogs between the hedges at Sanford Stadium in Athens. I have two guests, as always, to break down all the action that happened in Athens this week. My guests are awesome. Two guys or two of my co-hosts on the GC Live post-game show, Michael Skarnecchia and Mike Yuva. A little bit of a double duty for the Mike from the Mike and Mike's. Um, so Without further ado, we will get to some ads and then hit the interview. Yeah, guys, I want to talk to you about our good friends over at Liberty Tax. Tax ID is an uncertain feeling you get right before doing your taxes, but you don't have to go through it alone. Tax team at Liberty Tax in Herbal, Lexington, and Columbia will walk you through the process, clear up any confusion, and guarantee you'll get the biggest possible refund or your money back. It's tax time. If you're in a hurry for your refund, call the tax team at Liberty Tax. Fast, accurate, and guaranteed. On the other hand, if you think you might be on Uncle Sam, talk to the Liberty Tax team to make sure you're not paying more than you should owe. They'll find every possible deduction for you. Locally owned and operated, staffed by tax professionals from your neighborhood. Open 9 to 9 on weekdays and 9 to 5 on Saturdays with multiple service options. Start through the Liberty Tax mobile app or through the desktop portal. Make an appointment or just walk in. Give a call to upload your tax documents, and when you come in, your return will be ready to review and sign. Give them a call at 803-462-5576. Once again, on your screen, 803-462-5576. The show is also brought to you by our good friend, Clint Hammond, over at the Movement Mortgage Network. In help with your mortgage, call our good friend Clint Hammond at the Movement Mortgage Network. He's been in the mortgage industry since 2003, which help, which allows him to help everyone from the first-time home buyer to the complex, complicated and complex jumbo buyer. Whether you're looking to purchase a new home or refinance, nothing is more important than a well-thought-out financial strategy that comes with five-star customer service. He's even helped out our very own Wes Mitchell and former Gamecock quarterback Perry Orth with their mortgages. So give our guy Clint a call at 803-771-6933. Once again, right above me, 803-771-6933. Give our guy Clint. All right, hello and welcome back into the walkthrough. I'm your host, intern Joe Machika. With me is now my two guests, my two co-hosts on the GC Live post-game show. First off, the Baron of Biscuits, the man from the Great White North up in Boston, came down to South Carolina to report on the Gamecocks. Now we have him here at Gamecock Central as the director of digital content. The one, the only, Mr. Mike Yuva. Mike, how are we today? Uh, well, we're taping this as some of these NFL games are going on. So ask me uh, around 11 o'clock tonight if the Pats are able to beat the Dolphins. So I'm feeling okay yeah. right now. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I, and as I alluded to before this, my other guest today is my other co-host on the GC Live postgame show, the Sultan of the Swing Pass, former Gamecock quarterback, the one, the only, Mr. Michael Skarnecchia. Scar, how we doing? Oh, Joe, doing great. You know, NFL is on, like Mike said, but I don't have a team. So I'd be worried about those Dolphins, Mike. 
Yeah. But feeling great, man. Ready to talk about the Gamecocks. Squish yeah. the fish, baby. <laughs> Absolutely. I almost wore my Bears jersey, but was a little too embarrassed after last week. So we, we'll, we'll leave the NFL talk for, for other people who, who cover it for a living. Um, obviously, last night, South Carolina dropped uh, the game to UGA after having a lead 14-3 going into half. Guys, um, I know we talked about it a lot on the post-game show, but this is the walkthrough. Give me your first thoughts of, of what you saw last night and yesterday and just your initial reaction of the game. Uh, you know, Joe, overall, I think there was a lot of promising things we can carry forward going into the rest of SEC play. Again, Spencer's performance continues to shine as the the highlight of a lot of our, our season so far. And I think if he keeps playing the way where he's playing, we have a good chance of at least being able to have a chance to win these games going forward. You know, there's some things that we need to polish up and or fix, which is our run defense, which I think a lot of Gamecock Nation noticed. And the other thing is we're going to have to continue to get better at the pass protection. I think we saw steps getting in the right, going in the right direction, but we're still not where we need to be if we want to compete against solid and really good defense, um, really good D lines going forward. But, you know, it's still early on. And as, as we've seen in the past with Beamer's teams, we've continually – usually progress throughout the season. Hopefully we can do that earlier rather than later, but I think there's some things that we can take away positively going forward. Yeah, and I think too, look, I know some people, they don't like looking at the glass half full the day after a loss, and I certainly get that. And even though Georgia will likely drop a couple spots, maybe to three or four, whatever, when you have the rankings come out uh, on Monday, the bottom line is they still are one of the better teams in college football, at least right now. And I think when we look at the end of the season, we're going to look back. And even if Georgia doesn't make the college football playoff or they don't win the SEC championship, or God forbid they don't win the SEC East for whatever reason, I still think we're going to look at this team as you know one of the better teams in, in college football. Having said all that, you look at last night as a barometer in a sense of how much they've grown in those first three weeks. I mean, week one, if you told me that South Carolina would only lose by 10 to Georgia, they would be leading 14 to three at the half after what we saw week one against North Carolina. I think a lot of people would say, sign me up for that. And I think a lot of that credit has to be given to Dal Loggins. I really like with what he's trying to do from an offensive standpoint. Now, certainly in the second half, if you really want to start nitpicking, you got to get the run game going. And it's not something that he's not aware of. It's just trying to figure out how do you make those adjustments? How can you figure things out? Do you incorporate, as we talked about on the postgame show last night, Mario Anderson a little bit more, getting these offensive linemen, including Trevon Baugh, as Shane Beamer said after the game, I probably should have played him a little bit more, answering our, our colleague uh, Colin Taylor's question. But I bring these things up because they've shown progress through those first three weeks, especially over the last two weeks. And as they get ready for a Mississippi State team that's going to be coming in here really aggravated after getting their teeth kicked in against LSU, you have an opportunity over these next couple games to really set the tone as far as how this season's going to go. Because we know the conference schedule is going to, it's going to continue to get tougher, but the meat of the schedule right now, there's a lot of winnable games for South Carolina, but they have to be able to find ways to continue to improve, as Scar just mentioned. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, I think improve they will. A very, very good showing against the number one overall ranked team in the country. And I, I think, you know, had they gone in there, I said this last night as well, had they gone in there and gotten blown out, there would be less to build from this game. But they went in, they showed 
a pretty good fight, you know, stood toe to toe again with one of the best teams in the country. Um, we, we're not necessarily sure how that's going to shake out yet. I mean, Georgia looked vulnerable yesterday. I will say that, but I also think this Georgia team is going to use that as fuel to, you know, to patch up those vulnerabilities as they go on down the stretch. Um, so defensively guys, Georgia scored a lot of points, especially in that second half. Um, First thing that comes to mind, there have been a lot of complaints about the defense. What what does that boil down to, and is it a big concern for you guys going forward? I, I think it goes back to a lot of the things that we've been talking about over the last couple of years. I think that's the most frustrating part of it all, right? And a lot of it has to do with just the play up front. Now, it's real easy to say it's just the defensive line. Certainly, it starts with them. There's no question about it. But as we saw last night, we talked about with Stone Bland. Colin Taylor posted the, the PFF grades, which – I don't get so geeked up about the PFF grades because as Scar knows sometimes, depending on who's the one that's evaluating the tape, which obviously if your coaches are evaluating it, that's what means more to you than anything else. Uh, because, you know, some geek behind a computer um, who might not have ever played the game is grading the, the tape out. They might grade it a little bit less. Having said all that, yeah, Stone had a rough night. So the reason I bring that up <clears throat> is because when you look at the front seven as a whole, there's been good moments. Stone has had some good moments through the first three games. Uh, Debo Williams, I feel like he keeps getting better as the season goes on. He had a really good game last night. He wasn't perfect, had some issues at times. But I bring that up because the first two levels for South Carolina, even going back to last year, even going back to year one, especially on the ground, when they need a stop, when they know there's going to be a run coming at them, they haven't been able to stop that. And Mike, I think, mentioned this last night, especially in the second half with Georgia's offensive line, they imposed their will on South Carolina's defense. So that's the most frustrating part is you know what the issue has been now heading into year three of the Shane Beamer era, and they still haven't been able to correct some of those mistakes. Now, certainly we can really want to nitpick, be like, all right, you know, maybe the tackling has improved here or there, but big picture, they just have not been as consistent with improving uh, the front seven. And I think that is something that just frustrates you. When I say front seven, I'm talking about as a whole. Because, again, there's been some good individual performances. T.J. Sanders, of course, yesterday, he played out of his mind. Yeah, following up what Mike said, I agree with that. Our, there's a lot of defense. Quick highlight, though. Yeah, Sanders played out of his mind. I, that was one person I was like, wow. He was just all over the field. He was all over making plays. Was really holding his, his own out there. And, I think made a lot of critical plays on defense. I mean, in the first half, I, I think they had, I may be incorrect on this, but I think they only had 56 rushing yards. So in, in total, we did a pretty good job of limiting the running. Now, what happens in the second half? Yes, Georgia made adjustments. But also, we started, I think we made the incorrect adjustments. We started taking deep shots, which allow, or put, put us in a situation where we are now punting more because we're not, on the field longer. And if you look at how long the, I think, let me look at the possession real quick. If you look at possession, they were on the field for Georgia was on the field. I think for 37 minutes, they have 37 minutes of possession while we had 22 minutes of possession. And so you look at that and you're like, okay, our defense was on the field for almost a quarter longer than their defense. And that just weighs on you. I mean, yes. Do we need to get better on the on a lot of fronts, especially the front seven, like Mike was saying? Yeah, we do. We also need to add some more depth to those guys, who guys who can come in as backups or additional starters and continually grow that the, the performance that we're looking for. But it's also, we're going to have to stay on the field longer because our guys, we don't have a lot of depth, like I'm saying, at a linebacker position, at the D-line position. We have 
guys who can come in and step up and play like a starter. And so when they're on the field for another quarter, I mean, that just plays on their their energy levels, their physicality, how, their endurance, everything. And so I think we saw a lot of it showing late in the, um, like early in the fourth quarter, late in the game, because they started giving up these big shots. If you look at third down conversions, Georgia was five for 17. That's not good. And yet they still were able to move the ball. And it's those big shots. We were giving up way too many big shots. And, and it's one, we weren't getting to Carson Beck in the second half as well as we were in the first half. Another thing is we were giving up big plays in the run game. And, you know, that comes a lot of times to linebackers not filling the gaps, the fatigue on the D line. So we're going to have to find ways to get depth at those positions, along with finding players who continue, who can play for four quarters and endure the entire game. So we don't give up those big shots because if we don't give up those big plays in the run and pass plays, Georgia doesn't have a very, they don't have a great offensive production the entire day, but it is what it is now. And thank you for mentioning time of possession. Cause I know it's some, some people, it seems like it's a meaningless stat and it all depends which team you're talking about. Cause obviously if Oregon, you know, the chip Kelly days are speeding things up like, yeah, we get that. But for, especially for a young team, being able to stay on the field, time of possession is important because if it's not, I mean, you're not going to be able to get in rhythm from an offensive standpoint, but defensively, like you said, Mike, it's just going to wear you down, especially when you're so thin at certain positions. Yeah, absolutely. Now, so I, I will pose this question to you guys as well. I've been seeing a lot of flack for, for Clayton White. I don't necessarily think it's deserved. Um, where where does coaching play in all of this? How much of this can be pinned on, on Clayton White as the D.C.? Well, I mean, coaches can always take a blame for a certain aspect because they, it does come down to preparation. But a lot of these players need to look in the mirror and find out and find where they can improve as an individual on the field. You know, Clayton White, for the most part, I think we had a great offensive production or defensive production. We only gave up 24 points against the number one team in the nation. If you look at that as an overall, that's impressive. This team should have scored, you know, I think a lot of the projections were 30, 40 points against us. So I think we went in there and beat expectations and fans, of course, once we beat expectations and we had, you know, when we had the opportunity to win the game, they're going to, of course, expect more than what actually was out there. But I think Clayton White is putting these, like putting these players in a position to win. I think our defense production was solid. What's he, what's hurting him right now is we don't have a lot of depth. Now you can question, okay, is he not a good recruiter? Is he not bringing in the right players who can come in and be ready? What's happening in the film room? Are these guys not preparing properly to wear, you know, like the Stone Bland? He's now been playing for two seasons. You expect more out of him. And I'm sure we'll get more out of him. He's going to look, hopefully, knowing Beamer's culture and the and what he's instilling in these players, they take constructive criticism well and they respond to it. But we can't have those kind of performances and we need more depth. And I think also losing, I think we lost two linebackers in the offseason before the season even started. And those two players probably would have been playing right now. And so you look at that and you're like, okay, he's forced into positions that maybe he doesn't want to be in. I don't think he should catch all the flack that the fans are throwing at him, but we need to continue. He just needs to continue to create depth at the positions that we needed to. But I think he's putting our players and our team in a position to win. Another thing is we got to get more turnovers. So we can't keep relying on these missed field goals in the red zone. Do we, you know, we are a bend don't break team and it's great, but we can't keep, you know, bending all the way into the red zone and then allowing teams to at least get points on the board. We're going to have to start stopping teams before they even get into our side of the field. And, you know, there's so much to that that goes into game planning and the type of players you have. But I think overall, when you look at the defense we have and the quality you have, he is making the most of it, and he's given us opportunities to, to win.
Yeah, I mean, forcing turnover, you think over the last two years, just how good of a job the South Carolina defense has done, right? Finishing first in the SEC for uh, interceptions in the second year um, with Clayton White coming in second in the SEC in interceptions. So I bring that up because obviously we talked about it after the game on Saturday, how South Carolina, they weren't able to create any turnovers. You knew that they not only were going to have to force turnovers, but they were going to have to dominate the turnover margin, right? Like being able to protect the football, being able, and they weren't able to do that aside from, you know, two missed field goals, which if you want to, that, that's the closest they got to a takeaway yesterday. And obviously it doesn't go in the book like that. Um, I think what the thing with Clayton is this, this fan base, not everyone, but this fan base is so used to pointing the finger at a coach. And if that coach isn't, if, if an area is not getting the job done, right? And I said this before, God bless Greg Atkins, because if Greg Atkins was still on the offensive line, people would be calling for his head. I mean, people would be calling for his head. People are still calling for his head as an analyst. It's like, it's such a freaking joke. Because as we've seen, there's so many issues that go back to preseason, go back to spring ball. We talked about yesterday, left tackle goes down in the last practice of, spring, uh, of the spring, which is the spring game. So you don't get to build any continuity during the spring because your left tackle goes down that final game. Okay, now you go into preseason camp. Your right tackle goes down, though, second series of the game against North Carolina. And you're already trying to figure out what your left tackle situation is going to be like. Oh, and oh, by the way, Vershawn Lee, it's his first time playing center because you're trying to play some musical cheers, replacing about 60% of your starting snaps on the O-line from a year ago. So uh, I, I bring that up because, you know, with Clayton, he's the guy now on defense that the fingers are being pointing at. And I'm not saying that he doesn't deserve some of the blame because it comes with the territory when you're a head coach, offensive coordinator, in this case, a defensive coordinator. But I think more than anything, the improvements that we have seen on defense, right? I mean, you think back to one, T-Rob's last year, and I'm talking T-Rob, I'm not talking about uh, Robertson on the defensive line. I'm talking about the old defensive coordinator. We saw where this thing was at. There was talented players. Guys have got drafted because of, um, you know, the the guys that they were able to bring in during that Muschamp era. But I bring that up because the defense itself, it changed quickly when Clayton came in here. Having said all of that, though, if it doesn't improve as the year goes on, we know how these things go. And I'm not saying Clayton will be out because I think Clayton brings a lot to the table. I mean, he's essentially like having a head coach here, a second head coach, a third head coach. I'm going to throw Pete Lumbo in there because I think Clayton's going to be a head coach one day. I think that's the type of um, the type of, um, you know, just the way he carries himself. He'll be a head coach. But we all know if boosters start yapping behind the scenes and this and that, it's kind of like playing chess. you got to protect the king. Um, and, and unfortunately, you start, you know, pieces start to fall down. So that's the only way I could see that falling off, you know, a long winded answer to that, Joe. But I think Clayton brings a lot to the table. But I think, you know, they need to show improvements because, again, people behind the scenes, they're going to start yapping. I mean, we just know how this goes, especially at South Carolina. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I firmly agree. And I think, you know, fans always there there's always going to be a scapegoat one way or another and I, I agree I think you know defensively yesterday they were in the right position yeah they could have tackled better in the front seven could have been better but uh, and, and a couple things like turnover wise sometimes you just you get a couple bounces and you get, you get a couple lucky turnovers and that spurns a bunch of them like turnovers come in bunches Mike you played DB you, you know as well as I do um, so it, it's 
for defensively, really, once you start generating turnovers, I think some of the, the complaints will come off. It's just, it's harder to see when, you know, you are missing tackles and it, it seems like it is a, a coaching thing that, that can be fixed weekend, like within the week of practice. But I, I disagree. Like, I, I disagree with that take. I think, you know, they, they, they have been in the right spots. They've just been missing tackles and, it is one of those things that's just going to come as the season goes along. I think last year at this point too, this team hadn't generated that many turnovers and it was the same thing. Like when is this defense going to start generating turnovers? This is how, you know, they kind of crack into the success and getting things rolling. I, I, I agree with that take. I think they need to, you know, get a couple of turnovers and then everything else will start buzzing and, and putting more pressure on too. putting more pressure, yeah. right? Cause what happens when you put pressure, go ask Scar. I mean, he's a former quarterback. You put more yeah. pressure the the rate of interceptions turnovers i mean that climbs up i mean it doesn't mean it automatically happens i mean rattler's done a pretty good job through three games despite the fact that he's been running for his life you know more so uh, in that first game but they need to put more pressure and i promise you if they continue to find ways to get better with that and putting pressure on the quarterback you watch how quickly the turnovers start to increase for south carolina that's been an issue too for them so far through three games yeah, I agree with Mike on that one. Or go ahead, Joe. Okay, I was just saying, like, with, with Mike, what Mike said is, like, yeah, we're going to have to put more pressure on the QBs. And right now, I don't think we have the front four who's, I don't want to say capable enough, but they're not consistent enough to continually get pressure on the QB by themselves without a blitz behind them. And, you know, that's going to create holes in our defense, which I think we saw yesterday when we kept bringing those blitz packages and they ended up finally bringing them in because, of course, we know how Bobo's offense goes, being Carolina fans. He stacks his offensive line protection up with seven people and then runs two-man routes out behind it. And they were still being able to accomplish deep routes against us on that. And so you question that. You're like, okay, why were they able to do that? One, their run game was effective. And two, we're blitzing all these linebackers because our front four aren't consistent enough at getting to the QB that we need help on the back end which I hope at some point we're able to get some D linemen in there who are able to get to the QB by themselves because then again, it puts more pressure. But where we're at right now, I agree with Mike. We have to bring pressure in five ways to get to the QBs, even if that leaves a couple holes in our defense because it's going to create more of a probability to get those turnovers because we're not always going to face an elite QB who knows how to respond well to, to pressure in his face. And so when we face those QBs who are going to have to think quickly when somebody's coming at them full speed, the turnovers will come. And, you know, we all know how, the, how much uh, the turnover battle is an important factor in whether you win the game or not. I mean, if you look at the turnover margin uh, across the span of games over the previous decade, I guarantee it's above. I know when I was playing, our coach showed us, and I think it was almost 80, 90% of the teams who win the turnover margin, or 80% of the teams who win the turnover margin usually win the game. And so it's an important factor into whether we're going to win those big games and those crucial games. So we're going to have, you know, Turnovers will come. We just have to stay consistent with what we're doing and find ways to get to the QB. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. And I, I also think, too, Scar, I love to the point, I think, you know, you, once you start rushing, get some pressure on, make your, your let, let your playmakers make some plays. Um, and I, I think those guys out in the secondary are all playmakers. OD Fortune, Nicky Minwari was back. That's another guy yesterday that I, I was impressed with, um, especially coming off injury, hasn't been himself but look like himself yesterday um, for the most part. I mean, tackling all over the field um, was second on the team in tackles behind Debo Williams. So um, it's good for even worry to be back there and to have a game like that. He's 
has been and, and will be a focal point for this defense, especially in the secondary um, in terms of just, you know, preventing the big play. Um, so it's good to have Nick E back there. But, guys, for you, um, one player going forward that could impress defensively. Well, I mean, look, I mean, DQ, it, it's not like a surprise, but I really like some of the things he did yesterday. I really like the way he was playing. He was aggressive in his coverage. He was aggressive in coming up. It, they have to be more aggressive, though, on the outside and the perimeter. That was something I was worried about with Georgia. I mean, they were uh, dancing around too much out there on the perimeter, and I'm sure Torian Gray is giving them an earful today. They just were not physical enough. But having said all that, you know, I thought DQ overall, excuse me, um, um, OD, you know, having all these letters, <laughs> DQ, OD. Um, I, I still liked some of the things OD was doing in coverage, and I think as the season goes on, I mean, the SEC, Mike, you know, I mean, there's some dudes that play wide receiver. And I had this conversation with Colin yesterday as we were going into the game that South Carolina, without having juice, and obviously juice goes down, we weren't, you know, envisioning that at the time. But you need dudes that can go up there and get 50-50 balls because as the season goes on, you're going to be an SEC, SEC play, there's going to be a lot of 50-50 balls. You know, they're going to be throwing th throwing things up because there's some good wide receivers in this league. So, you know, I look at OD, I look at Marcellus Dial, but I really think OD can be the guy that can step up. I think Marcellus can do good. Marcellus had some good open field tackles yesterday, but with the length that OD has, man, I think he could really have a, a really strong SEC slate coming up. Yeah, actually, that's what I was going to say as well. I think OD Fortune, man, watching him in coverage, there's plenty of opportunities like, gosh, it could have went right, man. He had he could have had several picks already this season. He's he really plays good coverage, and I think for the most part, teams have targeted him. But he's been there before, and he's he, when I say been there before, he's on the hip of the receivers. And he like six one. I'm looking at the roster right now. He's six one, and you know, like those those arms. I mean, he kind of reminds me of a basketball player with just like the wingspan. Yeah, you know? I mean that's how. Um... Israel Mukwamu was. Yep. And he wasn't the fastest guy, but he was good in coverage and he was long. So he was lengthy as hell. <laughs> and it was tough to throw against. And, you know, Fortune has that long ability. And he's, and this, I think he also has really good coverage ability. He's going to continue to progress. Um, I think we, as fans, we all know Iman Worry, how important he is to this defense, both in the secondary and in run stopping. He's going to have to stay healthy. You know, we're going to need him out there. I think we, we see when he when we saw the effect he has when he's not on the field compared to when he's on the field. He's all over open field tackles when he's out in coverage. He, zone he's he's a leader of the defense and he's an important person. When it comes to people, we need to see step up. We're going to need to see Stone Blanton step up. You know that linebacker position is a very important position on the defense. You know everyone calls it the QB of the defense. They're the person dictating it. They're the person who can set the tone. They're the person and run stop can fill the gaps helping in coverage over the middle, stopping tight ends. Like they're very, very vital to the defense being um, an effective defense for both run and pass stopping. And so we're going to need him to step up. You know, I always thought of Stone Blanton a lot of times as a role of uh, he was a linebacker at Clemson, wasn't a fast guy, but was very knowledgeable and was able to stop a lot of the runs and just be, you saw him everywhere. And I, that's kind of how I see Stone. I see him as a guy who needs to improve the knowledge side of the game because when you know you're deficient in certain areas of the game, you can improve on them by being a very knowledgeable person, knowing where the runs are happening, know the plays that are happening, the blitz package, just being a smarter, more knowledgeable player 
will put him in the right position on a field. And I think that's where we can utilize him. But it's going to come down to him being a student in the game and just continually improving at his craft. But, you know, and then we can't forget Sanders, man. If we have that kind of play from TJ Sanders going forward on the D line, I think it's going to alleviate a lot of the pressure on the other D linemen and they can step up in big ways because you need the guy who's going to help out, but he can't do it all himself. And so hopefully the other guys will step up seeing his kind of performance and him being a leader against such a tough opponent as Georgia was. Yeah, absolutely. No, I love those picks, guys. Um, In terms of a guy to watch for me, my sleeper pick would be Jalon Kilgore. I think he's going to make a a big difference, especially as a freshman. Um, He's already stepped up in a big way. So um, watch out for Jalon Kilgore. And then I I was also going to say – you need a little bit more out of Stone Blanton. He's already showing the bright spots. He just needs to get a little bit more consistent. I think, you know, he'll be on the right track to just, I mean, being a better overall linebacker and more of a consistent face for this defense. Um, so that's enough defensive talk. Yo, can I add one more, though? I want to add one more because we both said OD. One player, and it kind of goes back with what we are talking about with Stone Blanton and Debo Williams. I think at some point, and we were looking at the snap counts, I don't have the official numbers in front of me, but I know that Debo played a lot. As the season goes on, especially as SEC play continues to pick up, you're not going to be able to do that with your linebackers. And no disrespect to Stone. I know, again, he had a tough day yesterday. He's done some good things. I would have said that regardless moving forward. So Pup Howard, he graded out well. I know he was limited with the number of snaps in comparison to those other two guys. If there's you know like a sleeper, I would say Pup. You know, Pup was banged up a little bit towards the end of preseason camp or in the middle of it. He's going to continue to figure out what college football is all about. They're going to continue to need depth at the linebacker position. I expect Pup Howard to be that guy because he has the size. He has the size to do it. He's going to continue to figure out what this college football thing is all about, and I think he's going to be someone that's going to see more snaps, and they're certainly going to need someone in that linebacker room to do it, so why not Pup Howard? Pups looked great so far. I love that, Mike. I, I appreciate you bringing him up. Um, he's got a lot of potential to do a lot of really good things at this university, and so far so good for Pup. Friend of the program as well, um, or at least talking Tuesdays, we had him on. Um, so that was that was a fun I episode. love how you always – friend of the program. How do you know? Do they have like a um, an intern Joe bobblehead or a walkthrough? Yeah, I don't I know. If you, are you selling merchandise for this show yet? I mean, this is kind of weird. I'm sitting back. My, 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 my little intern, Joe, he's growing up. He's hosting his own show. Look at him. We <laughs> love it. Wouldn't, wouldn't be here without you, Mike. Would not be here without you. <laughs> um, so getting into the offense, um, obviously South Carolina had a big first half offensively and then didn't score a single point in the second half. Um, guys, how does that happen? Is it, you know, something that happened at halftime? Is it like a morale thing or is it, you know, a variety of different things? Walk me through that. Um, yeah, so I think, of course, it's not making the proper adjustments or it's making adjustments that were unnecessary. You know, it's hard to say what kind of adjustments they made, but I noticed in the early first and maybe somewhat in the second quarter, we were doing a lot of motioning around and doing a lot of motioning about with um, the slot receiver to go in the backfield and then swing out as a and doing some RPOs and finding ways to be effective in a run-esque style with those RPOs and the flat throws. And getting balls to the playmakers quickly and allowing them to go into space and make someone miss. We were also effective throwing the ball on kind of those, I don't want to say 50-50, but tossing it up on those sideline throws to, you know, Xavier Leggett and Omega Blake and those guys. 
and I think in the second half, I it feel it felt like we were doing more of deep shot style and long developing plays, and we were getting away from those those motioning style RPO get the ball in our playmakers' hands quickly. And maybe it was because Georgia was being more effective at stopping those plays, and so our coach thought we needed to adjust to that. But regardless, you know, like Georgia, Georgia's run game wasn't effective in the first half, but yet they stuck to it. I think we need to stick to what kind of scheme we have going in this game more. It felt like we got a little bit of a way, and obviously you're going to make adjustments. It's inevitable. But sometimes you need to go back to what was being effective, and that was in the first half of those RPOs. And then the second thing is really is just our run game is not effective. And I think it's really hard to call an entire game when you don't have a run game. Now, obviously, a lot of some of it is on um, on my offensive coordinator because we only ran the ball, I think, eight times, nine times with our actual running backs. And so it's just there's no commitment to the run game, which so we don't really know if it was going to ever develop. I mean, Georgia ran it 44 times. I think it was 16 in the first half or somewhere in that number. So, I mean, more than half of their runs came in the second half because they committed to it and they started seeing some effectiveness from it. We just don't know how effective our run game can be because once it goes bad, we get away from it completely. And I think that's something that's not good for our offense when it comes to trying to be an effective one in the big shot game, the, 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 the pass game, and trying to create more protection for Spencer because these teams are just going to dial up blitzes and bring in if they know, or they're not going to dial up blitzes. They're just going to stay back in coverage and say, hey, you can't beat us because you can't run and you're getting away from it. So we're going to make it harder on Spencer, your true asset, to throw. We have to find ways to run the ball. It, it's, it could be a long season if we don't. And so, I, I mean, there's, I know fans last night were asking, how do we do that? There's so many ways to do it. But really, you're just going to have to start testing some things out and see how, whether that's starting a new running back, doing a new scheme in the backfield, with whether it's zone-type running, pin and pulls. I don't know what they're doing right now, but we need to find ways to be effective in the run game. Yeah, no, I, w- I went back and I watched the film because we talked about it last night, some of the adjustments that Georgia made because it was evident that they started to blitz more. But I-, I think more than anything, and again, this is just from going back and watching it and then from listening to some of the Georgia players speak after the game, I, I felt more than anything that they just knew that South Carolina was one-dimensional. I mean, they they really did abandon the run. They weren't able to get that going. And as we've talked about before, if you're one of these guys on the front seven, especially a defensive lineman, but you know they, they were using linebackers, they were blitzing. When you know it's just going to be pass, 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 it makes things a hell of a lot easier. Hell of a lot easier. Now, certainly, they started to incorporate more twists and stunts. Uh, there was a couple times where you had defensive tackles coming around on some of the twists, and they were coming in freely on the um on um, on the front side of Rattler. I bring these things up, though, because it just goes to show, and going back to what Mike was mentioning, when you don't establish a run game, at some point, especially when you do have a good defense like Georgia has, they're going to be able to get theirs. They're going to be able to get theirs at some point. So I think that was the biggest thing to me, is that, yeah, you need to find a way to incorporate the run. We can sit here, and I still feel like, unless they try to incorporate Mario Anderson a little bit more, we'll continue to see a lot of the short passes, screen and swing passes regardless. But even though that's an extension of the run game, you still need to be able to move the ball between the tackles at some point. You have to, you have to, you have to, you have to. And certainly yesterday, but especially in the second half where for the majority of the 
for first half of the second half, if you know what I'm trying to get at, not being able to move the ball for over 50 yards, a lot of that had to do with the fact that you were just passing, 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 passing. And as we said, even leading up to the game, Rattler can't throw the ball 40 plus times, even if he's completing like, you know, 35, 36. I know he didn't, but just, you know, for the sake of conversation, you need to be able to change things up. You need to be able to change things up. So as you get ready for Mississippi State, I feel like, you know, when I say I'm going to go back and watch the tape as if I'm the freaking coach, but, you know, watching some of the stuff that the Bulldogs do, this should be a game that you're able to find some type of rhythm. Again, it's not saying it will be easy by any means, but when you look at the schedule that South Carolina has had, North Carolina week one, and I know that there's a lot of people that want to be like, oh, North Carolina's defense was garbage. Well, Gene Chizik, he's in his second year there. He was able to correct a lot of the things. Not saying that that they're the 85 beers, but you played a good team week one. Week two, you played Furman. Okay, you had success against them. And then week three, you played Georgia. So Mississippi State next week, you're really going to start to figure out who you are. I mean, there's no – and not that anyone's accepting any excuses right now, but you have a couple games under your belt. You know what your pros and cons are, right? The strengths and weaknesses. You have a team next week who it's not going to be an easy game, but you should be able to compete and win against Mississippi State. And if you go out there and you lay an egg, boy – we have eight more games to go after that. It could be, like Mike said, a long season, but it has to change starting this upcoming week against the Bulldogs. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I will also offer this one up to you guys as well. I mean, through the first three weeks, it feels like every week I'm asking my guests, how do you fix the run game? Can you, is it a personnel thing? Is it an offensive line thing? Like, or is it just one of those things where you have to rep it out and just run it more for it to work? Like, I'm not necessarily sure where it lies. What do you guys think? Um, yeah, I mean, one, you can't get away from the run game the moment it goes bad. So, yes, there needs to be consistency with trying to commit to the run game and seeing how we can find ways to get effective. The next thing is, you know, you have the zone type running. You have the pin and pulls. You have the um, – and also you have where you can add in your tight ends. You can add in fullbacks. So we have athletes out there who we can put in to add the extra protection in there. Now – Again, that means you're going to start stacking the box and the defense is going to start putting more players. So it's going to create a, you know, a harder run box. But still, we have to find ways to become effective on the run because throwing it on second and long is difficult. Defenses can get into the coverage they want. They can bring in the blitz packages they want and make it hard on QBs and Spencer, especially with the inconsistency in our offensive line play. You know, is it offensive line play as well? Possibly, you know, being part of two different offenses at Carolina – I noticed some coaches are really good at pass protection. And some coaches are really good at run blocking and they, there's a focus on that. I haven't really seen a coach who's really good at both yet. And, but yet we need, you know, it's hard because we also don't have a true natured running back back there. And it's his first time being a running back. And so do we mix it up and add some other guys who have been playing running back for their entire lives just to see if we can become effective? Because sometimes when the holes aren't there, you need guys who are going to create the holes. They're going to be able to carry somebody for five yards. You know, we might not have the guys who are going to get explosive plays and 15 plus yards every single time, but we got to find ways to. It, also, I mentioned this yesterday is we have a lot of athletes to carry on played QB. We can do the triple option style from the shotgun. And while that may not seem something that we would like that we would like to do by taking Spencer off the field and having that kind of system back there, I, I, it could be effective. I mean, teams have been doing it now. Essentially, look at what look at what. um the Eagles and look what 
the Baltimore Ravens do. You know, they have a QB. And while their their QB is consistently the guy running the triple option, they still it looks effective and it opens up the pass game. So there's plenty of ways that these coaches can find ways to get the run game to be effective. But overall, I think maybe we need to do some personnel changes. And then the second thing is we just need to be consistent to it because it's hard to say right now whether it really is our run game is just that bad based on eight reps. No, I think I think what Mike said, I mean, it's spot on. I mean, like I was saying with the run game, like you have to be able to find a way to get things going with it. And, you know, it's – and I know fans don't like to hear it, but, again, with some of the injuries, with some of the – just the fact that this team's so young. And I know anytime like, you give some type of response to it, it's – you know, it becomes a back and forth with some people where it's like, you know, well, why didn't they do this in the off season? Well, well you know what? This is where, this is, this is where the cards have been dealt. Okay. Cards have been dealt. And as we saw yesterday, even with a young team, they were still able to do a lot of good things. They were still able to do a lot of good things. And you could see the growth from this team, never mind just from week one to week three, but even going back to last year, even going back to last year, no one's saying, oh, my God, everything's solved. Let's, you know, let's put a friggin' ban- banner down. You know, South Carolina, they led Georgia 14-3 to on September 16th, week two or week three. That's great. Every, all our problems are solved. No one's saying that. But at the same time, too, they're making progress. You can see that progress. Now it's being able to clean up some of those blind spots that they had going into week one and that they probably still had heading into week three against a good Georgia team. And now you really have to be able to come out and play. And you look, shoot, you look at the SEC East right now. You look at the SEC really as a whole, and I'm not saying South Carolina's winning the SEC. I didn't think that was going to be the case going into the season. But with what Florida did to Tennessee, you don't know what the heck you're going to see from some of these teams. So you need to be able to really start to figure things out quickly because, like I said, over these next – three or four games, five game stretch, it's it's really going to determine whether or not you're making a bowl game. As crazy as that may sound right now, just like, oh, South Carolina will make a bowl game. Well, gets tough. I still think this is a team that I can pick up seven wins, but they need to um, correct a lot of those mistakes this week against Mississippi State. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love the takes, guys. Um, really quickly before we get into Spencer and Mississippi State, um, I did want to shine some light on the offensive line. I think they were better this week, um, especially going up against the defending national champs. Um, this defensive line was talked about all week about how they were just going to kill this offensive line. I mean, yeah, they allowed three sacks and it could have been better, but I mean, you had two true freshmen in there in the mix. And and I, I did want to shine some light on the tree because Louis and Babalata was great yesterday. Um, and and that, that needs to be recognized. Uh, but so getting into Spencer, um, he, he played pretty well, 22 of 42 two for 256 yards, a touchdown and two interceptions in garbage time. Um, Mike and Mike, just walk me through what you saw from, from Spencer. I think that's what everyone has been seeing from Spencer. He again continued to show out for our offense as a top quality talent. Now in the second half, like you were saying, we got we started getting down and I think we started to force things. And so that put a lot of pressure on Spencer because, you know, the throws, a lot of throws weren't there. And I think he felt that we especially when we went down by 10 points against Georgia, we needed to start making some plays. And our offensive 
our offensive uh, coordinator started calling plays that were going to be more aggressive. And so you saw a decline in the amount of completions he was having because of those aggressive nature play calls. Plus those two interceptions, those aren't two interceptions in real life. Listen, those were interceptions that, hey, just throw it at this point because it's third and long and we have seven minutes or five minutes and like it doesn't matter if it's an interception at that point. It's kind of like a Hail Mary halftime. It doesn't really matter. Just see if we can get – because if he takes the sack or if he throws it away, guess what? It's fourth down. We're punting. We're getting the ball back to Georgia, and the game's over all automatically at that point. We have to give some opportunity for our offense to be able to score. And so those two interceptions don't really count in my book. I think he was just forcing something because we were desperate at that point to try and make something happen on, on a third and long or fourth and long situation. But, you know – Early in that second half, man, we've got to find ways to get the ball into our playmakers' hands quicker, especially knowing the offensive line play. I think we early on we did that with Spencer. We did a good mix of those short plays, long plays, and it just gave Spencer, I think, a lot of confidence. You know, you want to give your QB confidence in both aspects of the game, short, medium, long, and we did that. And I think in the second half when we got down, we got desperate, and we started doing a lot of deep passes, and it's just those low percentage throws. So we can't look at his – his overall completion percentage and interceptions and get worried at all because it was more out of desperation and trying to play catch up rather than it was consistent football that he would normally play. Yeah. And going off from that too, I'm looking at just some of the sacks that South Carolina gave up yesterday. He was under pressure more than what the stat sheet is going to show from a sack standpoint. But I think a lot of that had to just do with the fact, again, some of the twists, some of the stunts that's, that Georgia was throwing at them. As I've mentioned before, mentioned on the post-game show, mentioned it earlier in the week because Muschamp and Kirby did it to USC last year, a lot of shifting on that defensive front during uh, the mid-cadence. And whether they were going shifting to the left, shifting to the right, we saw times where they just shifted out like they were parting the Red Sea. It really confused the heck out of South Carolina. So I bring that up because – I'm not going to be shocked to see some teams try to do that and mimic that. I mean, we always talk about when it comes to football, whether it be college, whether it be pro, doesn't matter, even high school, it's a copycat league. So they're going to see different things, and especially when you have two true freshmen out there. And again, Bod didn't play as much as I think some of us thought he would. Tree played much more than Bob, but I expect uh, Bod to get in there. Uh, I expect Marquis Anderson to get into the mix. So, I mean, there's a possibility you could have three true freshmen out there, depending on if they decide to keep Ba out there with Marquis uh, when he's out there. So, look, this is a young team. We keep saying it. I mean, it's a broken record, but it's the God's honest truth. You need to be able to find things and correct things to be able to help Spencer because it, it, there's going to be growing pains up front. And the other thing, too, that I was talking with Colin about after the game Wide receivers, I think Mike said it last night, the wide receivers, after going back and watching it, wide receivers have to get open. They have to get open. You know, there were times where um, <laughs> Rattler had had a clean pocket, or at least he had some time, but guys aren't getting open downfield. Now, having said that, some of the dudes they were playing last night, and we were talking about guys that will probably get drafted in the first three rounds in the next couple of years when we were talking about the NFL draft. So, you know, it's one of the better defenses that you will see. But uh, still, you know, guys got to get open. Guys got to do their job. I mean, it goes back to, you know, what Bill Belichick says. I know Alex Huntley said it from a defensive standpoint, but do your job. Do your 111th. And if you do that, number seven is going to be able to make things happen because he's proven that already through three, three weeks. And, Mike, to follow up your point about the defense and 
getting separation from Georgia's um, coverage. <laughs> Through the years, knowing Kirby Smart and playing against his defense, wh what we always game plan for was trying to establish a run game. And it's very difficult to do against Georgia. But the reason you establish the run game is because they play one of the most difficult defenses to throw the ball against. It, a lot of times they play this cover one or this cover two man where they're playing inside coverages and forcing receivers to go on outbreaking routes and making it very, very difficult to do any type of in-breaking route. The only way to get Georgia out of that kind of defense is to be effective at the run. Because what they're saying by doing those coverages is saying our front five can stop your run game without any added or any added players. And so, and again, we weren't able to do that. We weren't able to run the ball. And so they were able to just stick in that, that two-man and that single-man coverage, assuming that's what they played. I think I saw it several times. And it's just really hard to throw a ball, the ball against that. You know, yes, our receivers need to get open. But it's also really hard to call a game plan against a defense that will not, uh, not allow the receivers to do any type of in-breaking routes. They want you to go out. And so it's, you know, if we don't get the run game effective, Defenses are going to be able to play whatever coverage they want and put more pressure on our receivers to make those plays to get open. And they're not always going to be able to get open, so it's going to come down to 50-50 ball sometimes, and that's not what we need to be playing. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree completely. I think, um, you know, they need to run the football in the SEC in general, and I, I, I think it would have helped tremendously against Georgia. And with Georgia in that cover one, we were seeing some interesting stunts from those defensive linemen. They got really creative. Um, switching sides, doing some crazy interesting stuff that confused South Carolina's offensive line, got some interesting wonky pressure on Spencer, especially in that second half. Um, so I, I definitely think, you know, pressure from that defensive front, just coming in different ways. And then the way they sat back in coverage was, was huge when you can't run the ball. Um, so Scar, I, I really, really, really like that point. Uh, pro, according to Pro Football Focus, Spencer Rattler was – 16 of 24 uh, for 172 yards and a touchdown when he was kept clean. When he was under pressure, he was 6 of 18 um, for 84 yards and obviously one of his picks, but the picks were during kind of backyard football. So I don't know how much strength you want to give those. Um, guys, looking ahead to Mississippi State, they got boat raced by LSU this last week, but they also won a very tough game against Arizona out in the desert. I believe that one was um, in OT. Uh, so, the, I mean, this is a formidable SEC opponent. They're no joke. Um, and they also, I mean, against Arizona, yeah, against Arizona, they ran the ball really, really well. And Will Rogers, a veteran quarterback, what are you guys seeing from Mississippi State? And, and how is this game going to go for South Carolina? With everything that they've gone through over the last really, what, 10 months with the passing of Mike Leach. I mean, this is a team that's experiencing their first loss um, in a football game, I believe. I think they won that bowl game this past year. I could be wrong, right? Um, but the point being, this is their first regular season loss without Mike Leach. And I bring that up just because they're still experiencing a lot. Um, they're rallying together. They're trying to stay close and um, they've been able to overcome some things. I think some people, including myself, thought going into this year that Mississippi State, it might not be a great year for them just because, again, with everything that they've gone through over the last 10 years, uh, 10 months or so. So I, I bring that up because, you know, look, you look at some of the competition that they've played and, you know, that Arizona game that they won in overtime, they probably should have lost that game. But, um, 
again, this is a team that's going to be irritated when they come in here. They can pass the ball. They can move it around. They're going to challenge, talk about OD Fortune, but a lot of those linebackers too, and it's going to challenge the front to be able to put some pressure on them as well. So I say the linebackers because after seeing what Bobo did yesterday, I'm not going to be shocked to see Mississippi State try to take advantage of a lot of crossing routes and then obviously take their shots down the field. But you have to put pressure on this team. You have to put pressure on them. Because if you can do that and you can try to slow down their run attack, which they want to be a more pass-heavy team, we know that. But still, kind of like we were talking about with Spencer Rattler and USC's offense, if you're able to make a team one-dimensional, even a team that wants to throw the football, it's going to just make the defensive line and the front seven's lives a hell of a lot easier because you're going to know it's pass, pass, pass. And that will help put that pressure on, that much-needed pressure of this upcoming week against the Bulldogs. And hopefully on the back end, that will result in some turnovers. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, Mississippi State has a, a very mature senior quarterback, and I think it's Will Rogers is his name. And he came off of... I think one of his worst, one of his worst games he's ever played. I don't even know if he had 150 yards passing against LSU. And so as a QB, especially when you look at a senior QB like himself, you're going to expect him to come back and rally his team against us this coming week, which, so we're going to have to be prepared. You know, we can't look at how LSU played against Mississippi state and think we're not going to be facing a team that's going to be well-prepared and ready to come into our house and play us well for that win. So we have to go out there and be fully prepared because they do have it. They do have the capability of being a very good air raid offense. They didn't show it against LSU, but LSU is also one of the top teams in the nation. You know, so we have to go out there. We're going to have to put pressure on Will Rogers because LSU put a lot of pressure on Will. And you saw what happened. While he didn't make a lot of mistakes, I think he threw no interceptions. He still was just not capable of finding his receivers because they don't get a lot of separation. So I think with the DBs we have, as long as we can mix up some good packages and the blitz packages to get to him, we have a chance of disrupting their entire air raid style offense. Now they do have a decent run side. I think they still ran for almost hundred yards against LSU. So that's something we're going to have to be cautious of and just make sure that we are effective in the run stop because, you know, again, it balances each other out. We're, if we can stop their run game, it's going to put a lot of pressure on Will Rogers in that pass style. And I don't think they have, they're not as effective and they're not as dangerous as they were a year ago in the past game, but they still have the capability of being dangerous. And so we just got to prepare, put pressure on Will Rogers, and know that we're getting a team who's going to come in here fully prepared to play us for that win because, you know, coming off a loss always hurts. And I think both teams are coming off a loss. Theirs is a little more – they probably want to wipe that from their taste buds a little bit more than we do. But uh, I think we have every we have every opportunity to put pressure on that offense and, and have a really good showing this Saturday. And you know what? We also need Gamecock Nation to be out there and loud because when it's loud, it puts a lot of pressure on an away QB. And that's what we know, because if we can get a lot of pressure on that senior QB, I think we should have a good defensive showing. And you're going to have number one back in the building. Alshon Jeffrey will be there. So just giving the fans another reason to come on out. Just fingers crossed that the weather's a little bit nicer than last week. Yeah. I mean, regardless, fan base will get lubed up. They'll be ready to go. They'll be able to hopefully make a difference, be loud in there. But um, certainly extra reasons to be at the game this weekend with Elshon being back in town. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, yeah, my my words on Mississippi State. I mean, they they have a cowbell back. I like to call it since it is Mississippi State and, and their whole tradition and all that. Uh, but I mean, other than him, it's it's Will Rogers and and his wide receivers. So you 
anything. Got to be able to stop the run because if you can't, they will run it down your throat. It's exactly what they did to Arizona. And also, you got to defend the pass because it's, it's vice versa. Can't stop the pass. Will Rogers is more than capable of throwing it down your throat. So um, Mississippi State got to be ready for anything. I think it's going to be a good test for the South Carolina football team. We'll, we'll see what kind of football team is going to be going to Knoxville next week based on this game. Um, and, and certainly Tennessee looked very vulnerable last okay. night against Florida. So I, I think the, the game in Knoxville just became a lot more winnable. Um, that's for sure. Um, so, I mean, we will see guys before I get you out of here, as always, I will let you plug what, what you got going on. Mike, you want to go first? Yeah, I'm going to be back with you. I'm going to be with you on Tuesday. I'll be with this stooge Tuesday night for uh, GC Live Talking Tuesday Nights. We'll recap the day that was with Gamecock football with the press conferences. As, as of right now, we don't know exactly who's going to be speaking other than Shane Beamer. So we'll talk about that. We'll take a deeper look into the Mississippi State game. And then on Thursday, we'll have the GC Live Afternoon Drive working on a nice guest this week. I'll just leave it at that. We'll see if we're able to make it happen. But, um, yeah, I mean, the show goes on. GC Live shows Monday through Friday, 2 o'clock Monday through Friday, except for Tuesday. Tuesday night is 7 o'clock with intern Joe and myself. Scar, what you got going on? Oh, man, I'm just going to see if my fantasy teams can pull it out. <laughs> you know, right now it looks like a lot of tight games, but I'm, I'm confident in them. But, you know, I'm going to get fully prepared for this rest of the week going into Mississippi State because I'm super excited about watching that and seeing the whole – uh, retiring of Alshon's number. I think it's going to be a really cool thing. So going to enjoy today, bad weather, but good football. And then just ride the week out until Gamecock football again. Absolutely. Fired up for Alshon though. Oh, dude, that's, that's awesome, man. I love that we do that for him. You know, it's going to, th- I'm hopefully we get a really good crowd there, but I think seeing him come back, is going to pull all the fans. And so it's going to be super loud when he comes out. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm excited for it. Alshon Jeffrey, me being a Bears fan. Also, shout out Mike for the reference of the 85 Bears. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey, Bear, Chicago Bear, great. Um, so I'm, I'm also pretty excited for that. But guys, thank you as always for coming on. Um, it is always a pleasure. And with that, that will conclude this week's episode of The Walkthrough. Thank you guys for tuning in. Join me once again next week. Two more good guests lined up. So should be a good one.